All right, M12, how we doing? Hey, yeah. Man, uh, you guys sounded good tonight. Yeah. Did you guys like that worship? Was that awesome or what? Man, that was incredible. Well, hey, guys, we are so excited that you are here tonight. Uh, for those of you that don't know, we do this every single Thursday night, and we call it M12, and it is like my favorite part of the week. It's awesome, and we're pumped that you're hanging out with us tonight. Now, um, hey, if you're like brand new and you've never, ever been here before, maybe it's been a while since you've, since you've been in church, we want to say a big welcome to you. We've actually got a really cool room just for you. So right after this service is done, we want to invite you to go to our VIP room, which is right next door, you and the person that brought you. And we got a lot of free stuff that we want to give you just kind of as our way of saying uh, thanks for being here. Now, the rest of you know that we're in the middle of a series called School Wars. And uh, yeah, this series is awesome. We are in week three of School Wars. And for those of you that don't know, this is kind of, this is like the bottom line for School Wars. It's this. It's a series about tough competitions and even tougher questions. So School Wars is a series about tough competitions, because I love competition, and even tougher questions. Now, um, those of you that have been here the past couple weeks, you know that I've been talking up the University of Georgia. That's right. Okay. There is uh, there's some mixed emotion in the room right now. I feel it. I feel it happening. So, uh, so this series, what I've been saying is this is our year, right? Like UGA is going to go all the way. Yeah. That's, uh, that's what I said. And then this past Saturday was a little, I know, what happened? That's, that's, my, that's my question. I don't know what happened. But here's what I know. Here's what I know is, uh, hey, how many of you know, how many of you know Thomas Haswell? Who knows Thomas Haswell? Okay, so how many of you know Truett Haswell? Who knows Truett Haswell? There we go. So Truett has a brother named Thomas Haswell. Thomas is amazing. Uh, he actually plays drums. That was the guy behind that little fish tank right there. He plays drums, and he is awesome, except for one thing. And the one thing that makes him not so awesome is that he likes the University of South Carolina. Yeah. And so, uh, so here's what happened. For those of you that don't know, UGA played the University of South Carolina this past Saturday. And here's what happened. During the game, during the game, old Thomas Haswell was silent. I didn't hear anything from Thomas. No, no, no tweets. At, like, like adding me, he didn't, he didn't call me, he didn't text me until the game was over and then he called me the second the game was over. He gave me a call and I was not like spiritually in a place where I could talk to a student, you know what I'm saying? I was a little upset that UGA lost so I ignored his call, I did, uh, but then that wasn't enough for him so after he called and I ignored his call, he sent me this text right here, sent me a picture by the way, that is the face of Steve Spurrier, which is the head coach of the University of South Carolina. And he put Darth Spurrier, 
strikes back. Now, here's what he didn't know was that that cut deep, guys. It cut deep because he combined my least favorite coach with my favorite movie of all time. How could you do that, man? Like, that hurts. That hurts so bad. Because going into the game, I was confident. I was like, I was so sure that UGA was going to win. And I actually have a few reasons why, okay? So here's all the reasons why UGA should have won. Number one, UGA was ranked number six, and University of South Carolina was ranked number 24. Now, now here's the deal. You don't have to know much about football to know that number six is better than number 24. Here's the second reason. South Carolina already lost the game. They already lost. UGA hadn't lost yet, right? Like, we were going to go all the way, so I thought UGA was going to win. Here's the third reason. Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley, who's the running back, the running back for UGA, Heisman hopeful. He was running all over Clemson. I thought, like, I knew he was going to win. And then finally, here's the last reason, is UGA is the greatest school ever, okay? Yeah. If it's on the screen, it's true. So that's what it says. That's what it says right here. So I, uh, so I was sure that we were going to win. And the whole game, I was like, we're going to win, we're going to win, we're going to win. And then I got to the very end. And I felt something that I think a lot of UGA fans across the country felt. This is what we felt. Disappointment. Right? Just disappointment. Hey, hey have you guys ever had like... You know, maybe like you did something that like your parents weren't too happy with. And then they said this phrase. They said, I'm not mad at you. I'm just disappointed. Right? Yeah. So like, that's how I felt. That's how I felt about UGA. I was looking at UGA and I was like, UGA, I'm not mad at you. I love you, but I'm just disappointed. Right? Because I thought you were going to deliver. I thought you were going to win. Like my hope was in you and then it didn't turn out that way. Now, I think, I think for a second, if we could be honest with one another, sometimes this is the way we feel towards God. Because sometimes, like, we have all our hope in God and we were sure that he was going to win and we were sure that he was going to answer our prayers, but then he doesn't. And we had all our hope in him, and we were, we were confident in God, but for whatever reason, circumstances went differently. And so we feel this way. We feel disappointment towards God. And it comes out in our questions that we actually ask God. For those of you that don't know, we've actually been answering your questions as a part of this series. We have ask.fm. It's ask.fm slash school wars. And you can actually write in your questions, and who knows? We may actually answer them here on stage. And so as I've been looking at these different questions, there's a lot of questions we have towards God that are questions of disappointment. Because maybe at one time you were really close to God and, 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 and everything was going your way and you were so pumped up about God and then something in your life happened and you were disappointed. And so here's the questions that I want to talk about today as it relates to disappointment with God. Tonight we're going to talk about this. How do I know, how do I know that God hears my prayers. Number two, why don't I feel God like I used to? Some disappointment. I used to feel him and now it's just, now it's different. And then finally, where is God? Where is God when it hurts? Now, I think in order to talk about these questions, we have to kind of like lay out a foundation. Um, we have to talk about who we're actually disappointed with. 
right? Like we're talking about disappointment with God, but in order to actually tackle these questions and in order for the answers to make any sense, you got to know who, like who it is you're actually disappointed with. Because see, when you say you're disappointed with God, God is not some small little kicker for a football team, right? No, he is a lot bigger than that. In fact, the God that you're disappointed with and the God that sometimes, if we would just be honest, sometimes we're disappointed with is a God who is huge. He's a big God. He's an eternal God. He's smarter than you. He's bigger than you. He can do whatever he wants to do. In fact, this is the main thing we need to know. God is bigger than you. He's bigger than you. He's thought of things you've never even dreamed of. He is more powerful than you are. If you take a telescope and you look up in the sky and you see all the stars and planets, God made that. God thought of it. Like the smile was his idea. All the trees you see outside, that was God's engineering. God made it up. The feeling that you get when you go on a roller coaster and you go down the really big hill, like God made that up. That was his invention. God is bigger than you. And so when we talk about disappointment with God, the first thing we all have to kind of come to terms with is that the God that we're talking about is a lot bigger, a lot bigger than us. In fact, there was a writer in Psalms 115 who was talking about disappointment with God, and he starts it off this way. He says, why do the nations say, where is their God? In other words, sometimes people are disappointed with God, and they're like, it seems like God has left the building because I thought he was here, but now it feels like he's gone. And so this guy is saying, how come people are disappointed with God? Why do they say, where is their God? And then he goes on, and he says, our God is in heaven. He's big, and he does whatever pleases him. He's bigger than you, and he doesn't have to answer to you because he's huge. He's enormous. And so when we start talking about disappointment with God, the first thing that all of us have to come to the same page on is that God is bigger than you. So the first question we're going to be talking about now that we get that, now that we get that God is bigger, is this. How do I know that God hears my prayers? Like, how do I know that when I sit in my room and I pray to God, how do I know that my prayers actually go beyond the ceiling and they don't just fall right back down? How do I know that I'm not just like talking to the air? How do I know that the God of the universe actually listens to my prayer? Now, the cool thing for you tonight is that this question is actually really easy to answer. It's really easy. Because when you look throughout scripture, the answer is plain as day. And tonight we're going to be looking at a lot of scripture. And the reason that we look at scripture is because we believe, we believe that scripture is God's word. Like, that's actually God speaking to you. So if you want to know what God is saying, look in Scripture. If you want to know what God is like, look in Scripture. And so if you want to know the answer to this question, how do I know? How do I know that God actually, like, hears my prayers? All you got to do is go to Scripture. And when I started researching this question, there were so many verses that we could choose from. In fact, I, like, initially when I was preparing this, I was going to show you six verses that talked about the fact that God hears your prayers, but um, it, it was kind of monotonous. It was like a lot of verses, so I just chose two of them. So here they are. Number one, this poor man cried, and the Lord heard him. He heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. Psalm 34, 6. So right there it says, when you cry, God hears you. And then it goes on, the Lord hears when I call him. And as you look throughout Scripture, all over Scripture, it continues to say, this person prayed and God heard them. This person prayed and God heard them. All over Scripture, we find out that God is hearing your prayers. So the question, how do I know that God hears my prayers, is really easy. Because God said so. 
Like God actually laid it out and he said, yeah, I listen when you pray. But even though this, like the answer to this question is really easy, there's still a tension that you feel. Because for whatever reason, sometimes when you pray to God, it, it feels like he doesn't listen. Or maybe for you, it feels like God is ignoring you. And the reason is because there's a question beneath the question. It's not just, how do I know that God hears my prayers? The real question underneath it all is this. Why does God say no to my prayers? How come sometimes I ask God for something and he says no? Why? That's the real disappointment with God. That's the real reason that we feel that tension is because sometimes we ask God for something and God's answer is no. So why? Why does God say no to my prayers? And I think there's two main reasons. Here they are. Number one, he knows it's bad for you. The reason he says no is because he knows it's bad for you. And then number two, it's because he has something better for you. The reason God says no is because he knows it's bad for you or, or he has something better for you. And so the reason God says no is for you, is because God cares about you. The reason God says no is because any loving dad would say no. That's why. Because God is your heavenly father. And he may look different than your earthly father. He's probably a lot better than your earthly dad. In fact, I know he's better than your earthly dad. We've talked about this before. He's not exactly like your earthly dad. He's the perfection of your earthly dad. And so when you ask your heavenly father something, he cares for you. And that's why sometimes he says no. And so the first one, he knows it's bad for you. Here's just a quick example in scripture um, that we know that, it's, that God says no because it's bad for you. This is from James, who's actually the brother of Jesus, and he writes this. He says, when you ask, right, you're asking God for something, you're praying to something, you do not receive. Now, notice, he doesn't say when you ask, God doesn't listen. No, 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 God listens, but he says no. So when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures, in other words, when you ask God for something, God says no because he knows it's bad for you. See, some of you ladies in the room, you're like praying and you're asking God, like, God, can you just get like that guy to notice me? Like, please, God, please, would you get him? Please, would you get him to notice me? And you know what God says? God looks and he says, are you kidding me? Him? You wait, wait, hold on. You want him to notice you? Have you seen the other girls that he notices? Have you seen how bad they feel? Have you seen how much guilt and shame they carry around? No. No, I'm not going to let him pay attention to you because I care about you. Because I know that's not good for you. Some of you guys, some of you guys in the room, you're like praying to God. You're like, God, she is like, she's so hot. She is, please. Like, I've never prayed before, but Steve said I should pray. God, would you get her to notice me? And then, and then you know what God says? God says, bro, she's crazy. No, no. You don't want her to notice you. Trust me. Hey, I'm working on her, okay? It's like my project going on on the side, so let me kind of deal with her. You do not want to date her right now. You don't want to be near her right now. 
And so God says no to you because he knows. He knows that it's bad for you. See, God says no because what you're asking for isn't good for you. But I know that there's some of you in this room that, that the thing you're asking for isn't bad. In fact, maybe for you, you're asking for something that you don't understand why God would ever say no to it. Maybe for you, it's like, it's like you just found out that your mom has cancer. Or maybe you've got a friend that's struggling with depression and suicide. And the more and more that you pray and you ask God, it seems like for whatever reason, God is saying no. And did you, did you know that, that Jesus, like Son of God, King of Kings, God in human flesh come down on earth. Jesus lived a perfect life, and he actually prayed to God too, just like you and I prayed to God. God uh, Jesus actually prayed to God, and there was this one particular occasion where Jesus prayed to God, and God said no. But see, Jesus was perfect, so it's not like he was praying for something that was bad for him. In fact, this was kind of the scene. Jesus was just a few moments away from being crucified. And he knew that his own death was coming shortly. And so he starts praying to God. He says, God, the thing I want from you is I want you to take away the cross. I don't want to die like that. And so, um, and so the way he prayed, he said, this, this cup of suffering, I want you to take it from me. In fact, this is, this is what he said as it's recorded in Luke. He says, Father, remember, God says no because he is your dad and he cares for you. And so Jesus prays. He says, Dad. If you are willing, this is what I'm asking for you to do. Remove this cup, this cup of suffering. Take it away from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. And Jesus prayed so hard for this that Scripture even tells us that his sweat actually turned to blood because of how badly he wanted this to be done. And he's asking God, his Father, he says, God, please would you take it away? And God said no. And the reason God said no is because he had something better for Jesus. See, see, Jesus was crucified, and he actually died on the cross. But then three days later, Jesus, Son of God, was actually resurrected. He was alive again. And it was unlike anything anyone had ever seen before. The Son of God was alive. And so the reason God said no to Jesus is because there was a resurrection on the other side. And for some of you, you're asking God for something, and it's not a bad thing you're asking for. But the reason God says no is because there's a resurrection on the other side. He knows that even though it's difficult for you right now, he has something better for you. And so the reason God says no at the end of the day is because God is your dad and he cares for you. So the next question we're going to be talking about, because it's related to disappointment with God, is why don't I feel God like I used to? Now, now this one is a question that um, I'm so glad that someone asked this question. Usually, students your age, they think this question, but they don't actually ask this question. Usually, here's what happens. Like, like uh, maybe for you, it was a few months ago, or maybe it was like a year or two ago, but like you accepted Jesus, and it was like the greatest day of your life. Like you felt so good and then that night you went home and like for whatever reason your parents were like amazing. 
Like, I don't even know why, but like that night, you're like, I love my mom and dad. Like, this is so crazy. And then you go to school, and you're like, I even love school right now, and all of my friends. Like, this is awesome. And then you come to Thursday night in 12, and you're like, dude, I'm feeling God. This is, a, this is my favorite song. And you're like singing it, and you are feeling God because you just accepted Jesus, and your life couldn't be better. And then a few months pass, and for whatever reason, you're not feeling God like you used to. And so you're confused. And maybe for you, you feel bad about that question, so you don't even want to ask it. And so maybe you even pretend like you're feeling God, but deep down you know that you're not feeling God like you used to feel God. And so I think we ask this question, why don't I feel God like I used to? I think there's two, two main reasons. Number one, you backed away you backed away. The reason there's distance between you and God, the reason you don't feel God like you used to is because you backed away. Or number two, it's because God backed away. Either you backed away or God backed away. But see, if there's distance between you and God, someone moved. Someone moved. I had a, uh, I had a buddy of mine who um, I got to sit down and have coffee with a few years ago. And uh, it was Starbucks, actually. That's a good call. And so uh, we're sitting down for Starbucks, and he, uh, he was engaged to be married to this beautiful woman, and uh, they had already like, sent out all the invitations, and they were about two or three months away from the wedding. And everyone was really excited about it. And uh, then, out of nowhere, uh, he called the wedding off. He called it off. And... Um, that both families, as you can imagine, were incredibly confused and they were hurt and she was hurt and he was hurt and it just seemed like everyone was upset and disappointed and frustrated all at the same time. And so I got to sit down with this guy and I got to ask him and I was like, man, what's going on? And he told me, he said, I, I, uh, I've been, like the past couple days, I've been asking God whether or not I should marry this girl and I'm just not feeling God like I used to. And I'm not, as, I'm not as close to God as I used to be. And his voice isn't as clear as it used to be. And so I don't know what to do. So I called it off. And so I started to like, pry. I started to ask some more questions to try and understand exactly what was going on. And what I came to find out was he, it had been about a year since he had opened up scripture. About a year since he, has read, uh, since he had read his Bible. And about a year since he had actually prayed and talked with God. And so the reason, the reason he wasn't feeling God, the reason God's voice wasn't clear to him, the reason it wasn't the same as before is because he drifted. He backed away. See, God is your heavenly father and he loves you so much. But if you want to run away from home, sometimes he lets you. And that's what happened to my friend and the results were devastating. It was heartbreaking all over the place. Because he had drifted, he had backed away from God. And so James actually talks about this in Scripture. And this is the verse that, um, that I love when it comes to not feeling God. James says this, come near to God and he will come near to you. And so maybe for you, like you're not feeling God like you used to. And maybe the reason you're not feeling God like you used to is because you've backed away it's because you've been ignoring God. Maybe for you, it's been, it's been years since you've been in church. Maybe it's been a few months since you've been to M12. And you're not feeling God like you used to because you've been drifting. You've been ignoring God. 
And God would say to you, like, come back. Come back home. The reason you don't feel God is because you've backed away. But I know there's some of you in the room that, like, you haven't backed away. In fact, you've been chasing after God, and yet for whatever reason, it seems like as you're chasing after God, it just seems like there's still distance between you and God. And, and, and like, no matter how hard you try, you're just not feeling God like you used to. And the reason, even though many people don't like to admit this, and this is a really difficult like, subject for us to talk about, but I think maybe the reason is because God backed away. It's because God backed away. And here's what I mean. I want to I try and explain this in a way that like, makes sense. So um, my wife and I, Catherine, have been married for a little over seven years. And uh, yeah, she's awesome. She's amazing. And we're not, uh, we don't have any kids yet, um, but uh, hopefully, hopefully one day, okay? Hopefully one day. But here's the deal. We have a lot of friends um, that are parents, and uh, we've been able to hang out with them and kind of watch them parent. And I've also seen a lot of movies, and um, I'm sure you've seen some movies too, where like a baby takes its first steps. And here's what happens. Here's what happens when a baby takes its first steps. Like the parents kind of prop the kid up on its legs, Right, and so you got your little like baby right here, and 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 at first you hold on to the baby because you want the baby's legs to be strengthened, right? And so you're holding on to it, and it's kind of learning how to just stand up because before you can walk, you got to stand, right? And so it's holding on to the baby, and the baby's legs are getting stronger until one day, one day the parent can let go like this, right? And then the baby is standing on its own. And then when the day comes to teach the kid how to walk, do you know what every loving parent does? They go, and they take a step back, and they say, come here. And then the baby takes a step, and then they grab onto the baby, and they celebrate, and everything is good. And then after the baby takes his first step, any loving dad lets go and then takes a few steps back and says, come here. And I think maybe for you, if you're chasing after God, and you don't feel God like you used to, maybe it's because God has backed away from you. But not because he doesn't care about you, because he does care about you, but because he is a loving dad, and what he's doing is he's saying, come here, come here, come after me. I want you to chase after me. I want you to seek me. And if you seek me, then you will find me. See, a relationship with God, a relationship with God is sought, not caught. A relationship with God is sought, not caught. Here's what I mean. Um, a relationship with God is something that you seek after. It's something that you chase after. It's not something where you just sit back and you just wait for God. It's not something where you're like, all right, God, whenever you're ready, come after me. No, instead, it's a relationship where God, your heavenly Father, stands you up on your feet, and then he backs away. And he says, come here, come here. And so maybe for you, you're not, you're not feeling God because God wants you to chase after him. In fact, this is, um, this is from scripture. Here's an instance of someone not feeling God and yet still chasing after him. Psalm 42.5. This, by the way, is one of my favorite verses of all time. It's one of, my, one of my favorite verses. It says this, why my soul are you downcast? Now, one of the reasons I love this verse is because um, for those of you that think it's weird for someone to talk to themselves, 
okay? I talked to myself, and so did this guy, okay? Right here, we have evidence of someone talking to himself. See, he's not only talking to himself, he's talking to his soul, which is kind of a weird thing. So if you ever do that, just don't do that in public, okay? Just be in your room and talk to your soul one-on-one, okay? But that's what this guy does. He says, hey, soul, hey, soul, listen up for a second. Hey, why are you feeling bad? Hey, soul, how come you're not feeling God like he used to? He says, why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? How come you're not feeling God? And then he says, put your hope in God. Now, here's the cool thing. This, put your hope in God, is a command. And who's he talking to? Himself. He's talking to his own soul. In other words, when he feels the distance between him and God, what he's saying is, hey, soul, soul, listen up for a second. I know you're not feeling it right now, but here's what we're going to do. We're going to put our hope in God, whether you feel it or not. We're chasing after God. So put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, even though I don't feel it, even though it's not comfortable, even though it's not easy. I will yet praise him, my Savior, my God. Guys, there's sometimes where I, um, I walk into like a church service like M12 or, uh, or Sunday morning, and I, uh, it's been like a really good day. You know, it's been like a crisp, like 72 degrees outside, and the sun is shining, and I got my pumpkin spice latte in my hand, and like everything is just like, like you're just feeling good, you know, and like, and like me and all my friends are like in, in like good standings, like everyone, everyone's feeling good, and then they start playing like that song, you know, and it's like, your love never fails, and, ne-, and you're like, yeah, uh, uh, come on, and you're like, you're all about it, man, like, like you're feeling it. So you raise your hands and you're praising God. But then there's other times where maybe for you it's been a really rough like day or it's been a rough month or maybe you like sat down and opened up scripture and you wanted to hear from God but for whatever reason it felt like he was silent and you felt distance. And then they start playing that song at M12 or they start playing that song on Sunday morning. And guys, there have been times where even though I'm not feeling it, I start talking to my soul. And I say, hey, hey, soul, listen up for a second. I know you're not feeling it. I know that you wish things were better right now. But soul, here's what we're going to do. We're going to praise God. We're going to go after God. I'm going to seek after God. I'm going to chase after him. Even though I don't feel it, I believe that my God is in heaven and he loves me. And he cares about me. And I believe that my God is my dad. And he's saying, come here. Come here. And so even though I'm not feeling it, even though maybe God has backed away, I am still chasing him. I'm still chasing him. And so maybe for you, maybe for you there's distance between you and God. Maybe it's because you've ignored him. Or maybe it's because he's backed away and he wants you to strengthen your spiritual leg muscles and walk after him. Now, here's the, here's the last question, and this one came in on um, ask.fm. And uh, one of you may have, may have written it, maybe it's someone that's not here, but they put, why did God put me in this family and make me feel like this? Um, because... 
Because this is like, this is real stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I don't know what you guys think um, like happens throughout my week. But when I get questions like these, why did God put me in this family and make me feel like this? Dude, it breaks my heart. Because I know there's many of you that are struggling and you're hurting. And maybe you come here on Thursday nights and you put on a happy face and everything is good. But deep down, things aren't good. And so maybe you're asking this question, why did God put me in this family and make me feel like this? And the answer is, I don't know. Man, like Psalm 115 said, our God is in heaven. He does whatever pleases him. Sometimes I don't know why he does what he does. But I know that beneath this question, there's another question that all of us have probably asked, and it's this. Where is God when it hurts? Where is God when it hurts? Because sometimes I'm hurting, and I feel like I'm all alone. Maybe for you, you had a grand, granddad or grandmom that passed away. Maybe for you, you have a friend who's really struggling right now. Maybe your boyfriend, girlfriend broke up with you. Maybe your parents are splitting up. And you're hurting. And worst of all, when you're hurting, you feel like you're alone. And you feel like, not, like either God doesn't exist or he's ignoring you and he doesn't care about you. And you feel like you're brokenhearted and you are all alone. But man, tonight you need to know that when you hurt, you are not alone. See, this is, this is what God says in Scripture. It says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. The Lord is near. He saves those who are crushed in spirit. See, when you are hurting, you are not hurting alone. You have a God who is next to you, your heavenly Father that actually loves you. Remember that example of like the kid that like you're teaching how to walk, right? And the dad takes a few steps back and he says, come here. Any loving dad, if that kid were to fall on the ground and start crying, what does the dad do? He runs after his kid and he holds him because he cares. He cares about his son. He cares about his daughter. And when you hurt, your heavenly father does the same thing. It says that he is close to the broken hearted. And many of you are upset because you felt like maybe you got like the raw end of a deal. Like maybe you accepted Jesus as your savior and then things started to fall apart. And you thought when you said yes to Jesus, your life was going to be perfect. You thought there was never going to be any pain. Maybe you thought that God made a promise to you that you would never suffer again. And that's just not true. See, God, God does not promise that you won't suffer. But he does promise that you won't suffer alone. That when you suffer, your heavenly father is next to you, and he cares for you. And see, not only does he care for you, your heavenly father actually suffers with you. Like you know that Jesus, when he died on the cross, he suffered. And so he knows what you're going through. He knows how much it hurts. And I, uh, when, I, when I think about suffering, I, I, have some, I have some friends that went through a really difficult season um, this past March. And as they were suffering, they recognized that they were not suffering alone. 
It was actually a couple in a small group that we were in when my wife and I were living in Athens, and we've been keeping in touch with them, and we found out about their story, and um, when we found out as it was happening, we were crying with them, we were praying for them, and this week, I called them up, and I asked them if I could share their story with you, and, uh, and they said yes, um, they, and, and, and they pray for you, by the way. They hope that this story maybe brings you some encouragement as you suffer that you would know that you are not suffering alone. So this is the story of a couple that was in our small group. And uh, while this was happening, um, uh, my friend was, uh, she was pregnant, and she was blogging about her pregnancy um, when all of this stuff started to come up. So this is from uh, early November of last year, and I'm just going to read a few excerpts from the the blog. said, yesterday at my 20-week checkup, we learned that this pregnancy has gone Seemingly perfect and normal and easy on the outside has gone terribly wrong on the inside. Via ultrasound, we learned that our sweet baby boy has a few things that need God's healing touch. Specifically, it looks like he has a heart defect. His liver and part of his abdomen have hemorrhaged outside of his body around the umbilical cord. It looks like he may have a chromosomal disorder. Two of the main ones they check for are fatal. We had an amniocentesis done to, get us, uh, to give us a better idea of what is wrong, and we'll find out the results within the next week. And then they asked us all that were reading the blog to pray for them. And then the next week, they blogged this. They said, yesterday afternoon, we finally got the phone call we'd been waiting on, but it was not the news we were hoping for. Our genetic counselor told us that the preliminary test results show that baby Jax does have trisomy 13, one of the fatal chromosomal disorders. At this point, there's still way more questions than answers, but the little we do know about trisomy 13 is what I mentioned before, that he could live for a few weeks or months, but the likelihood of him making it to his first birthday is only a 5 to 10% chance. And then in January, she writes this, when we met with the midwife, she told us, it looks like things are beginning to deteriorate. Her words are still running, running through my mind. She said that unfortunately there's no way to estimate the time we have with baby Jax that he could pass tomorrow or I could carry him for six more weeks. But what she does seem pretty certain of is the fact that we will be saying goodbye to him much sooner than we would like. But despite everything we heard today, I fully believe with all my soul that the God of the universe, the creator of all things, the great physician has power to turn Jackson's life around and give us the miracle we've been praying for without a doubt. But I know that this little life God has given us thus far is not ours, and that his plan for Jax is one far better than one I could ever dream of. Having not known what to pray for during this time, do we pray that he lives? He would be severely handicapped. Is that any way to live? Do we pray for healing? Even with the healing of his issues, his heart, fingers, and toes, our bodies don't know how to function with an extra copy of the 13th chromosome. What would be next? And so I was relieved to come across the words of our Savior just before he was taken away to be hung on the cross. Luke 22, 42 says, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. So that is my prayer, that my heavenly Father take these things away from Jax and make him whole. Let him live. Let him be a walking testament to the power of the Almighty. I know he can do this in an instant. But most of all, I 
pray that God and his will would be done, that his perfect plan would prevail, and that he would give us the strength and comfort we need to travel whichever path we travel. So I lay jacks at the feet of Jesus every morning, and I trust that God is in control here. It's a level of surrender and trust I've never exercised before, but it's all we know to do. And as long as I keep that picture in mind, I have peace throughout the day. I don't have to worry about things. He carries that crushing burden for me. What a sweet Lord we serve. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And then in March, she writes, I'm thinking we don't have too much longer, which is both exciting and terrifying. And I know that we'll never be ready for all they say will happen and praying the Lord would remain near to us, that, he, that we would feel his presence in the coming days now more than ever, and that he would fill us with joy, comfort, and peace, no matter the circumstance. Psalm 115, 18 says, The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. And then Sunday, March 9th, at 9.20 a.m., we finally got to meet our precious baby boy. We were unsure about what to expect. Would he be born alive? We've been told that labor is especially difficult on trisomy 13 babies. If he were born alive, how long would he live? Because of his heart issue, they told us to only expect a few minutes. We prayed all along that we would get to meet him and have some time with him. And that prayer was answered. And then some. He was with us for two hours before he went to be with Jesus. When the time came, his chest started to rise a little more slowly. His heart rate was slowing down. The, the nurse listened to his chest and told us that our time with him was almost up. Everyone left the room and gave us those last minutes with him alone. We didn't know what to do except stare at him and that he knew just how much he was loved. We weren't ready for him to leave, but we knew he had to go. I think I rubbed a layer of skin off his poor little hand as I held him, dreading what was about to happen. And after a little bit, we hadn't seen his chest rise anymore, so we called the nurse to check him again. His heart was still beating, but just barely. At 11.25 a.m., we called her back in and he was gone, and we sat with him in tears. And they, they did not sit alone, because their heavenly Father was near them. And not only was God close to them, but God knew firsthand what it was like, because God watched his son die before his very eyes. And so God was there with them, even in the midst of their suffering, even when it seemed like there was no hope, even though they were suffering, they were not suffering alone. And so maybe for you tonight, you are going through some unbelievable pain. And maybe your question is, God, why? Why are you making me go through this? Why did you put me in this family? Why do I feel like this? And I, I, don't, I don't know. 
But what I do know is that when you suffer, you do not suffer alone. That your God in heaven, your Father in heaven loves you more than you can possibly imagine. And he suffers with you. He suffers with you. And so tonight, the question is what will you do with the answers you heard today? What will you do with the answers you heard today? Maybe there's some of you in the room that you've been, you've been praying to God and maybe you thought that God was ignoring you when all the while God was saying no for you. And so maybe for you, tonight's a night where, where you need to recognize that even though God says no, it's not because he doesn't care, it's because he does care. It's because your Father in heaven loves you. Maybe for you, you're not feeling God like you used to. And maybe, maybe it's because you backed away. Maybe it's because you've been ignoring him, because you ran away. And maybe today, the voice of your heavenly father is saying, come back. Come back home. Maybe when God has asked you to do something, to give up a habit, or to have a difficult conversation, maybe you've said no, but today is the day that you need to start saying yes. Or maybe you've been chasing after God and God has backed away and he's saying, don't give up, chase after me. A relationship with God is sought, not caught. Or maybe, maybe you're in this room and you are hurting. And you thought that God didn't care. And you had no idea that your father in heaven was suffering with you that you do not suffer alone. And so maybe tonight is a night where you just get alone with God and you pour out your heart to him and you tell him exactly what you're going through. And maybe tonight's the first time that you can hear the voice of your heavenly father say to you, I know, I know, I know. Your God loves you. And he is your heavenly father. And tonight, maybe you just need to hear him say, I know. Let me pray for you. God, I, uh, I know that these conversations are difficult, and I know that these questions are extremely tough. And maybe, God, these are questions that we've been avoiding because we didn't think there was an answer. Maybe we had no idea what Scripture had to say. Maybe we, God, maybe we doubted that you even cared about us. But I pray that for these students in this room tonight, they would recognize that they are loved by their Heavenly Father and they are not alone. They are loved. And although they suffer, they do not suffer alone. So Jesus, I pray that you would be near them as you promised you would be close to the brokenhearted. God, even though we doubt and even though we struggle and even though we wrestle, we want to fall more in love with you and recognize that you truly are our dad. And so we pray all these things. In Jesus' name.